you know, imagine being at work, hearing someone's been injured and going to help because you're a senior educator and to find it's your son. You know, you're never going to see his grandchildren even meet his wife. I really miss being a mum to Jason. And he's just an easygoing, fun-loving kid, and he was just um, 20 years old, which is you're kind of just coming into your own straps, your own confidence, what you really want out of life, I think. He was a loving big brother, but, mm. but he, he was always a leader in something they shouldn't have been doing. He was larrikin, no doubt about it. He used to love his, um, his car, the Commodore. He used to lap around it and drive real slow, 30k down town. The memories. <laughs> <laughs> He'd get himself into trouble, but it was, it was all harmless fun, you know. Um, he was just a good kid to have around. He um, probably was too trusting. He was to definitely too honest. trusting. Unfortunately, I think that, you know, aided things to happen around him that led to his death. He was looking for work, mm. looked around and he, he managed to come upon this job. Yeah, of course, he hadn't taken it. Mm. He never even got his first paycheck. He was only there for nine days. It was 81 um, townhouses. I think at the time of Jason's death, they probably had around 40 built at that stage. The electrical on that site was very, very ordinary. I had said to him, do you know, mate, if it's dodgy, it is not worth your life. He said, you know, it's going to be OK, Mum, they're going to fix it up. and But they never did. It had been a wet year as well, which didn't help. The site had just water on it everywhere. There was open trenches, left, right and centre. They were ankle deep in mud in the good areas. I was on the excavator, and um, yeah, the, I think Jason and the, the couple of labourers and that, they're on the ground. We're just cleaning up at the moment to make the site looks responsible when work off and safety turn up, but yeah, and things went wrong there. And the machine operator said, could you boys just take the board out from underneath that frame so I could backfill up to it, please? I just asked. Clayton to, to move the board out, out of the road. Jason was just hanging on to the box. And then the cables come out, like they should be locked in the box. And, but they weren't, they just come out and they just lie the whole, the whole box up, mate. Jason had about three to five seconds of full electricity in him. He walked away, like walked away from it. Fell to the ground after yeah, about 10 metres. The ambulance could only get to within 100 metres of Jason. This is a four-wheel drive ambulance designed for that country. So Jason was basically left for a while. Then the ambulance officer having to walk so far and because of the state of the site, she couldn't really use the best of her equipment. So they had to get him on a stretcher and then 
carry him all the way back to the bloody ambulance. So on that day, I was in Claremont. Part of my role as a senior nurse educator is to keep up my clinical skills and also make sure that I can also aid in any kind of scenario. Beck had actually answered the phone and she said, oh my God, someone's been electrocuted. So I um, drove there, hopped out, and as I'm walking into the hospital, I get another phone call from Rebecca and she said, like it's Jason. You know, I'm Jason's father. I'm meant to be the protector. I didn't do a good job here, did I? It was just like a, a black cloud had covered Claremont that day. I think a lot of people wanted some answers, you know, how and why it happened to one of our, our young people. And, and nobody really knew. It's hard, you grow up with them your whole life and then one day you wake up and, and he's gone, eh? you lost, you've lost the best mate, you've, you've lost a brother. Your normalisation for your, your family goes. Every time we sit at the table, that's, um, you know, when you, all you can do is light a candle for a person mm. to represent them. I experienced severe PTS. I used to get these adrenaline rushes that were just like, my hands would just shake. I have no control over them. If I started getting flashbacks about with Jason in the recess room, I'd, it's like I was drowning. I have been trying to put it blame myself and everyone tells me it's, it wasn't as an accident, Jason. You know, it wasn't your fault. Yeah, I was pretty messed up for about 12 months. I was seeing a psychologist and I spear on medication, trying to keep my anxiety down and trying to sleep. I did turn to turn to to the bottle and did drink a lot to get the images out of my head. Lost my marriage over it. The workers that I'm aware of that have witnessed the incidents themselves generally are never the same. Quite often they can't return to that industry if they can return to work at all. And they have ongoing psychological issues reliving it thinking what if, what could I have done to prevent it and feeling responsible for it. So it has a lifelong consequence. It's just been quite shattering and have to find some normality. Jason has never been showed a worth by the people who were instrumental in his death. The only real people that can portray that worth and make sure that that worth it, it, at least exposed is the family, you know, and mm. it's not an easy thing to do, but, well, for me, you have a duty to do it, that's it. Something funny happens, you always think of him, something. Mm. There's a million, th million times a day that you think, yeah, I'd like to tell him this, I'd like to see that, da 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 That's just, mm. that won't stop. It's so stupid. It could have all been easily avoided. Preventable, absolutely. You don't get killed doing what Jason was doing. So I knew someone had done something badly wrong. The whole site was a safety issue, right? You couldn't tell the boss that. You just, you, they'd do your job, mate. And what should have happened is the earth leaky should have tripped 
and that would have saved Jason. But all that was there was this main switch and the only thing that blew were two transformer fuses. And once I got on site, yeah, she's pretty wet. Yeah, they should have shut the site down. A lot of people didn't know how to do CPR on site, that's worse than about it. But there's one bloke there who tried to help him. He got a bit of water out of him, but then his eyes started rolling back. And that, yeah, it wasn't a good moment. People out there going to the big job sites like that, it's just have your conscience and look around and yeah, there's something, something wrong. Speak up and, and tell someone and no one won't listen. Go to the next person and, and get the matters dealt with. If we don't fix it, that's what happens. Yeah, someone can die like Jason. Fatalities and incidents is, are generally not one thing. They're generally a series of contributing factors that lead to an incident. And in this case, those contributing factors were extremely preventable. A lot of young people don't feel comfortable speaking up about safety issues, whether they're intimidated by the culture in the workplace or whether um, they feel by speaking up they may potentially lose their job. They should be empowered by their workplace, by their employer, um, for, for there to be a safety net and supervision and for other people to identify the risks with them and teach them about um, hazard identification and risk management. Well, housekeeping's key. Um, if you've got your housekeeping sorted out, it can remove a lot of other risks, mainly slips, trips and falls. But in the event of an emergency and we have to evacuate people or we have to get emergency services in, if your housekeeping is substandard, it'll affect your ability to do that in a timely manner. And also following all the rest of their duties, carrying out due diligence, ensuring there's safe access, ensuring power's isolated when it's being located. One of the keys to having good safety when you've got multiple contractors on site, and let's face it, that's every construction project, is clear defined roles and responsibilities for persons entering that workplace, so everyone's aware of what the expectations are. I'd say a young worker starting in our industry, there is, should be no time limit on educating them and making sure they feel comfortable doing the tasks that we ask of them. The old and wise, they should be looking after the newer and inexperienced. But really, those people that are old and wise are, should be going to their top employer and, and putting in a, a complaint or bringing up a toolbox or bringing up workplace health and safety. There's basically pathways you go there to solve things, whether it's a supervisor, manager, or you know your government bodies. But for these younger guys who are doing a job, if you don't know, ask. Simple as that, um, don't assume and if you're being left unsupervised and you don't know how to do it, ask them to supervise it. Be an advocate for your own safety too. We need people's behaviours to change because that's how the universe operates. Actions, behaviours, consequences. So if we can teach these people to have an awareness of what they're doing, be good in their role, it's much better being proactive and being able to prevent because that's what we want to do, we want to prevent deaths happening out there. And so I think that's why that anger and frustration comes from is most of these deaths are preventable. You don't have to make a big stand to make sure something like this doesn't happen. All you need to do is talk to one another, just quietly, you know. Doesn't doesn't have to be we'll all rally at the gate, just quietly say, Do you realise that's not right? 
make sure everyone that you work with is aware if there's a danger present. I would have never dreamt I would have this life and I never wanted, ever. It's been a real just nightmare. I feel a duty to do what I can to make sure a stupid thing like this that, that you know, takes someone's life doesn't happen again. <laughs>